Yo, what's up, guys? Happy Friday. Hope that you are having a fantastic week. And uh, welcome to the first Friday wrap-up of 2023. So I uh, hope you guys had a great holidays and all that good stuff, and you're ready to you know, get in uh, the mix for the new year. So we got plenty to talk about. Unfortunately, it's not that much uh, about you know big fights or anything like that coming through, but some rumor stuff and just some some diva back and forth crap on Twitter that I got to bring up and call out and um, a tune up fight. I'm going to say it. And I know it's going to trigger some of you, but I'm going to explain why Spence versus Thurman is by definition a tune up fight. Okay. Not to diminish Thurman and to say that he's a journeyman level opponent or anything like that. But at this time in both his career and Spence's career and with the Carrot being dangled of a Spence Crawford fight down the line. It's a tune-up fight. Okay, so I'm going to get into that. Uh, but first, uh, well, first of all, let me uh, just say what's up, you guys. And thank you for supporting the show, uh, as you guys always do. Please remember to make sure you subscribe. Click the notification bell here on YouTube. And share word about the show, man. Tweet it out there. Post it on your Facebook, your TikTok, whatever the hell. All your social media stuff. Um, I will go ahead and release this as well on the, the the audio on the podcast platforms as well. So for those of you who can't catch the live video, um, you'll be able to check this out in podcast form over the weekend. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, sports weekend, wild card weekend, right? Uh, so there's going to be a lot of American gridiron football on TV, both Saturday and Sunday. And now they do wild cards on Monday night because the NFL just doesn't have enough days or nights that they own here in America. So, um, yeah, but that's going to be fun. However, there is some boxing tomorrow night. Top Rank has a card that has an interesting heavyweight main event, a um, couple interesting fights on that card, but I, I particularly like that main event between F.A. Jagba and Stephen Shaw. For my money, I still favor Shaw. And I think that the odds, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I know um, Thad, uh, caller to the show, calls in a lot with betting tips and things like that. He said that the line had moved a little bit after um after well after I did my preview Monday it wasn't me but I'm just saying after I posted that show um, then the line kind of moved uh, during the week so I think Ajagba is still a favorite but I still I favor Shaw I just got a gut feel on that maybe I'll be proven wrong we shall see anyway um thank you so much guys for tuning in I got to get to this um, by the way phones are up phones for some reason dropped Monday I don't know what the hell is going on. Phones are up. So if you want to get in, call and we'll chat. I got I to gotta talk about this thing between Steven Espinoza and Eddie Hearn real quick. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons why this is personal for me. Um, I'll get into all that. But Steven Espinoza, who is the head of Showtime, Showtime Boxing, Showtime Sports, is uh, he has a major, major hard on for Eddie Hearn. And he has for a while now. And a lot of the American promoters and network people are there's not happy with Eddie Hearn right now because Eddie Hearn is basically kicking their ass. I mean, Bob Arum and top rank, you know, they talk shit about Eddie Hearn too. Um, I think clearly, you know, regardless, look, Eddie Hearn's a promoter. Okay. Which means he's full of shit. Just like every other promoter, half of what every promoter, they're like politicians. So half of what they say is complete unadulterated bullshit. Okay. That's what promoters do. However, if you look at the past few years, and specifically post-COVID outbreak, all right, so now we're talking the past two, yeah, a couple of years, two, two and a half years, whatever it was, I, I think there's no denying that globally, Matchroom Boxing slash Eddie Hearn, they have been the lead promoter. They've put on consistently the biggest events. They have the two biggest star fighters in the world, uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez here in North America, and then Anthony Joshua over in the UK. Uh, those are the two biggest commercial stars in the sport right now overall. Are there some fighters getting closer to that mark in the last year or so? Yes. But those have been the two top guys the last few years, and, and, and Eddie's been featuring their bouts, right, on the zone. And yeah, some of it's the zone pay-per-view and whatnot. I get that. But just in terms of putting on some of the biggest events, the biggest ticket-selling events, and the biggest globally viewed events, it's Matchroom. 
Now, here in the United States, I would say the lead promotion in the United States has been top rank, which has been for a very, very long time. Um, and, and that's why there's beefs between Espinoza and Showtime and PBC and all those people with the top rank people, right? These guys are all rivals. But man, Espinoza it, it just has really had a hard on for Eddie Hearn for years. But um, Eddie was on, um, I think, at the Zone Boxing Show. Um, I don't even watch the show he was on, but I saw this video segment because um, Michael Benson tweeted something. Steven Espinoza responded to it, and his response, Espinoza's, was so irresponsible, unethical, and dangerous. I can't believe nobody in the boxing world is calling this guy out. Now, a lot of fans are, okay? A lot of fans responded to Espinoza's tweet and just basically said, how dare you? But guys, no joke, and this happened yesterday, and I'll show you the tweet in just a second, okay? I'll give you guys full context. I had over a dozen of you, over a dozen of you, message me on Twitter alone, okay? And then there was Instagram DM, and, and I got some Facebook messages, and I got a few texts. I'm counting just on Twitter. There were over 12 of you that personally messaged me and said, look at this motherfucker. Can you believe this guy? I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what you guys said. I'm not going to name the 13 names that <laughs> tweeted me or about the other six, seven on other platforms. So about 20 of you. I won't name these names, but I will mention this. They included a mixture of very well-known boxing writers, very well-known championship fighters, very well-known former championship fighters who are now very well-known trainers and a couple uh, fighters and, and, and trainers that um, maybe are lesser known. So these are people that know what they're talking about and would like to blast him, I think, publicly, but can't because they're afraid of how that could affect their career, be it inside or outside of the ring. Oh, I should mention, one of them is a network guy that actually does – uh, commentary. Um, I, I won't mention the network or anything like that. So I'm getting messages from industry people about this tweet. And I understand why nobody can call it out. Um, the, the one guy who did call out Showtime and some of their bullshit, Pauli Malignaggi, got axed. He got canned. And a few of us that have talked uh, a little bit about some of these guys, we've been personally attacked. So th this is a personal issue for me because what Steven Espinoza is doing uh, with this particular tweet, and it's not the first time he's done this, is really dangerous, really, really dangerous. And it leads to violence. So let, let me give you guys some context here. Let me share my screen. Um, and I'm not trying to exaggerate this, but th this is this is real shit, man. I mean, this this matters. OK, so. Full context, Michael Benson tweets out this tweet, and I don't know Michael Benson. I've never met him, okay, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call him um, part of the media. I, I guess he's a social media, uh, I'm not going to say provocateur, public relations guy. I don't know where to categorize him, but essentially what Michael Benson does is, and I have no opinion on this, good, bad, or otherwise, I'm just saying what he does is he takes quotes from stories, clips from videos, sound bites from podcasts. He truncates it into a spicy little nugget and he tweets it. And he does it with the sole purpose to get a, a large response. So Eddie Hearn did this interview on DAZN, right? Um, and of this whole interview, Benson takes the most provocative part of it, maybe, that can be twisted and interpreted in certain ways by certain people with certain sensitivities, biases, and they can run with it. And, and again, not hating, that's just what Benson does. He's done it and he's built up a large following on Twitter doing this, okay? So here's the, here's the quote. I'm going to read this for you guys listening to the audio. Uh, Eddie Hearn said, this is part of what he said during this long segment, this long interview. He was, he was being asked about Gervonta Davis, okay? Um, and, and a lot of different things about Tank, but just his opinion. 
Anyway, you said the dangerous thing about Javante Davis is he's not a deep thinker, not articulate. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He's a bad motherfucker like Mike Tyson. That makes him dangerous because he's fearless. You can't get into his head. Okay. So what Eddie Hearn was saying right there is basically, I'm paraphrasing, okay? Don't take this as a quote. I'm paraphrasing. But what he's basically saying is, you're not going to rattle this dude by saying all kinds of crazy stuff or whatever. Gervonta, when it comes to being a fighter, tank's pretty simple. You get in the ring and it's all business, all right? You're there to do a damn fight. He don't care what you say, what you're bringing to the party, uh, anything like that. I think that's what Eddie meant by not a deep thinker, not articulate. He's not going in there. He's not going to overthink things. He's not an Anthony Joshua type who will maybe overthink things. Vladimir Klitschko was like this. He, he overthought a lot of times and mentally screwed himself for some fights. Um, some guys overthink it, and they get in their head, and, and it, it causes issues in the ring. Tank ain't like that. He shows up. Tank could be talking to somebody and laughing and joking and having a conversation about Christmas dinner, <laughs> and then the bell rings. Oh, shit. All right. And then he's a killer. Bell rings, ding, ding. Oh, it's ring break. He can come back over here and start talking about Christmas dinner again and laughing. Ding, ding, the bell rings. He's a killer again. When that bell rings, there's no thinking. Not articulately, not deeply. It's business, right? That's what I think Eddie Hearn was getting to. If you listen to the whole thing, if you watch the whole segment, um, and it, there was some other things he talked about, but like this little nugget that Benson took, now again, if you're looking at this from a pointed view, um, maybe you could try to find some, what do they call it, dog whistles and hidden meanings here. There was none of that. There was zero, zero racial context to anything Javante Dave, or um, Eddie Hearn was saying about Javante Davis. Wasn't brought up. And um, his, his ancestral background, his skin color, none of this stuff, none of it, okay? Nothing cultural like that. He was talking about Tank as an individual human being and making some parallels to Mike Tyson. Um, do I think it, there's it's, a, it's the perfect comparison? No, I don't. I think there's other people that Eddie could have pointed to that if you're making a comparison. However, there are some parallels there. Let's be honest, even in terms of fighting style, they're both undersized against the guys that they're fighting. So they get inside on you, they counter, they catch, they roll, they counter, hooks, uppercuts, looping shots over the top against taller opponents. There's some similarities, but also the approach to the fight and the um, some of the legal issues outside of it, some of the hangers on, you know, things like that. Um, there are some parallels. I don't think it was a crazy comparison that Eddie Hearn drew there. And his choice of words, while it wasn't maybe perfect, in the context of the discussion, okay, if you watch the entire clip, if you read the entire clip, if you if there's a transcript somewhere, you will see that the words, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing. So, Stephen Espinoza, here's what he had to say. Let me back this up. Stephen Espinoza quote tweets this tweet from Michael Benson, which is about something Eddie Hearn said. So I should also mention this. Eddie Hearn isn't copied in the original tweet because Benson doesn't really do that. He copied the source of the link of the quote, which was the zone boxing. So he did quote them or tag them. But Eddie Hearn has no idea this is being said about him. And then here Espinoza responds, quote tweets it, doesn't include Eddie on this either. So Eddie you know, doesn't, isn't included on this at all. It's basically just talking about a guy taking about the context. I would argue purposely and with an agenda and not even tagging the guy in it. So basically publicly defaming him and putting his reputation at stake and not even having the decency to tag the freaking guy. But Espinosa says, disgusting. Sometimes the veneer wears off and people say what they actually think. In this case, repeating despicable racial tropes of black fighters as unintelligent and unthinking. I know Gervonta and I know Mike, and they're deeper thinkers than the person who made this statement. Okay. So, um, Stephen Espinoza, for 
all his flaws and say what you will, good, bad, indifferent about him. He's not a dumb man. He's an intelligent man. He's an intelligent, articulate man. He knows full well. Eddie Hearn meant nothing racial about this. There was, again, zero racial context to it. And that what he's saying here, what Stephen Espinoza is saying, is 100% pure bullshit. Completely made up on his end. And this type of rhetoric has been used to attack me by people like Stephen who see me as a threat and an easy target to go after. So Stephen can't necessarily do it publicly, but there's alt, um, there's alt means to do it. <laughs> I'll just say that. And there are unpaid interns and, and right that have gone after a guy. And it's not just me. It's other guys. Steve Kim is an example. There's plenty of other guys I could mention that don't fit the narrative these guys want to push, don't play along with their game, they go after you. Now, Eddie Hearn's going to be just fine. And by the way, if I'm Eddie Hearn, I'm not even responding to this. I'm completely ignoring it and just continuing to kick this guy's ass because that's what Eddie's been doing the last few years. He's kind of been kicking everyone's ass, but especially this guy. If you look at uh, DeZone's platform, again, this is post-pandemic. It has grown. It's in over 100 countries. If you look at Showtime Fox's platform, it's actually shrunk. And that's why they're doing so many pay-per-views because the, the network won't even put up the money that they want uh, to, to pay their fighters. But I, I ain't even going to get into all that right now. Um, this type of rhetoric, okay, it's one thing, you know, to go after somebody and destroy their public reputation, which is what he's trying to do here. Uh, it's underhanded. It's disgusting. It's unethical. It's irresponsible. It's all those things. But it also can be very, very dangerous. We go back just a couple years to the summer of 2020. Guys, there was billions with a B, billions of dollars in property damage in this country because of rioting all summer long. Thousands of assaults, thousands in dozens of murders, dozens of people murdered. And they weren't murdered by the people Stephen Espinoza hates. They were murdered for the people Stephen Espinoza hangs out with marches in the same political rallies with and votes for the same people he votes for. That's who is doing this. Guys like Steven Espinoza, who sit in a position of privilege and power and influence, and that's where he's at. He's among the top one-tenth of one percent of most powerful network media people on earth. Major platform, major influence, major privilege. When you sit at that type of, that height, uh, uh, that big of a perch, and you use rhetoric like this so flippantly and irresponsibly, it leads to the type of political violence that we saw destroy several of my friends' businesses during the summer of 2020. My wife and I's old neighborhood was destroyed. Parts of it were destroyed, not the whole thing, parts of it. The building we used to work at and met at, the windows were busted out and part of it was burned, okay? by people that get really pissed off and angry because of stuff like this. It, they're already a little wacky, a little nutty, and they see something like this and it sends them over the edge. If there's ever any violence against Eddie Hearn by some whack job fan, one of these idiots on YouTube that takes this shit way too personal, I'm sorry, Steven Espinosa is going to have blood on his hands. You can't say things like this about people without evidence especially when you know them in real life and you know that this isn't really who they are. It's disgusting and it has to stop. It's bad enough that unpaid intern idiots on Twitter do this and YouTube. It's bad enough. But somebody in this position, and here's why I'm going extra hard on this today, okay? Because Steven Espinoza, if you just look at his Twitter timeline, and I got nothing against the man as a human being. I'm just calling this out. If you look at his timeline, and I'm not talking about a decade ago. I'm not talking about some obscure social media post he made in 2013. I'm talking about right now, in his position currently, right now. He routinely beats this shit out of half of the country because of who they vote for and calls them the R word simply because of who they vote for, because he doesn't agree with their political viewpoint. 
So much so that he fired one of those people who worked at his network because he dared to feel and, and speak differently and call out some of the issues with Deontay Wilder and, and certain things like that. And so he got canned, right? It wasn't, it wasn't cool what happened to Paulie. And, and listen, I, I'm not defending everything Paulie has ever said. Paulie has been a hypocrite. He's said things that I disagree with, Paulie Malignaggi, um, but he should have the right to have a viewpoint. And when you're going this hard, if you're Steven Espinoza against half of the country, and then you put out this sort of rhetoric and there's been zero repercussions, dude, that's dangerous. I'm sorry, guys. This is dangerous. I can't support this. And I got to call it out. Nobody else is. Nobody else is calling this out. All right. So that's the first topic. I got one other one. <laughs> uh, quickly, though, let's get to some super chats. By the way, I just want to put this before I put this one to bed. Um, as I've mentioned on this show a thousand times, I'm cool with everybody. I'm a political moderate. I would call myself a classical liberal if I had to define myself. The term liberal has been bastardized in, in our society now. But um, I'm, I have friends who voted for Trump. I have friends who voted for Biden. I have friends who voted for Bernie and all these third party people. Like I'm cool with everybody. Okay. My thing is, if you're going to beat up on half of the fucking country and fire people because of their political viewpoints and them being willing to speak the truth about things that you're trying to hide from your fans, from the people paying for your product, uh, you, you just look really, really bad when you do that. And then you double down with, with, with this sort of like race baiting and stuff like that. Like it's, it's really, it's just I'm telling you it's dangerous guys. All right, I'll let it go. CJ Duncan with a super chat. Thank you so much, CJ. He said, listening in while on the final countdown. Salute to the MOB crew. Smash that like button. Thank you, Al Heyman, for the truth versus one time for zero belts at 154. Guys, everybody in the chat, I want all you guys to give a shout out to CJ and his wife, Vicky. Um, they're about to have their first child, little boy. So um, we're, we're, we're good friends with CJ and his wife. And um uh, you know, they live on the other side of the country, but whenever we can get together, we get together. And um, they've been following my wife and I and our journey with our daughter, and they're just a couple months behind. So um, they're right there. And, and at any moment now, uh, he could have his first child. So make sure you guys give him a salute in the chat and a congratulations. And brother, you better send me some pictures. I want pictures. All right, uh, super chat from Florian Seagreese. Thank you so much, Florian. I appreciate it, brother. He says, Michael, my friend, I wish you a happy new year. Hope you and your family are doing better soon. Uh, wishing your mom all the best, bro. I suffer from autoimmune disease myself, so I can relate. Oh, thank you very, very much. And uh, thank you all of you who have um, you know, given your, your thoughts about uh, my mother and our family right now. Um, my mom is not doing very well. I won't get into details here, but um, she's had a rough couple weeks. She really, really has. And uh, unfortunately, because I'm dealing with, you know, a newborn and I don't live in the same area that my mother does. Uh, my sister's much closer. My sister's having to take care of her right now. And I feel bad because she's having to carry that burden and I want to help, but I'm, I'm dealing with a newborn baby. I, I can't just drop what I'm doing and get on a plane or, or a, a car and drive uh, all those hours up there and, and help. So um, it's tough. It's just a really tough time for us. But thank you guys for keeping us in your thoughts. Um, I hope the doctors can figure out what the hell is going on and, and make things better for my mom. But it doesn't look like it right now, man. It, it's, it's tough. But we're going to it's literally to the point, guys, where we got to sell my mom's house and get her out of there and get her, if not moved in with my sister, then at least like very close in like an assisted living kind of place. So just finding that right now with all the inflation going on and everything, it's just, man, it's just crazy. It's just really crazy. Aaron Gortman with a super chat. Thank you so much. Aaron says, yo, Mike, I love you because you always give us the goods and you do you. Thank you, sir says, can we get an episode where you one day break down all your acting roles? Oh, man, that would be interesting. 
Um, I don't know if I, I could do all my roles in one show that take too long. I've actually done a lot of acting stuff. Um, I haven't in several years though. I, I just, I got so busy with boxing that it just overtook all the industry, the acting industry stuff I was doing. And then when we moved out here, it was about building this house and then having the baby. So I haven't done any of that stuff, but I've thought about, you know, maybe, um, once Jackie gets a little bit older, maybe getting back into some of that because there is some of that stuff going on here in Atlanta where I live now. Um, anyway, yeah, dude, I, I, I think that'd be a fun episode of, uh, the wrap up maybe on a really slow week. I could get on here and show you guys some clips. I don't have many. I only have a few, um, and they're not very good quality because I don't have like the original recordings. It was like recording it off of a computer screen or something, you know, uh, or we're like, we're like holding my phone up to the TV and like doing it that way. So I don't really have a lot of clips, but um, I've done some soap operas and um, of, of course, several, a bunch of national commercials in um, different languages. I, I did a Spanish soap opera once, <laughs> uh, a telenovela where I was killed. I was murdered. I was Carlos and I got killed. <laughs> um, I've done some fun stuff, man. And then the cool part is I've done some stunts. Stunts was actually way more fun. But yeah, I'll talk about that stuff one day. That'd be a hell of a lot of fun, man. Okay. Um, I think we're caught up on that. Okay. So, um, can I say one last thing about Eddie Hearn? Um, again, Eddie Hearn, not perfect. And this isn't me trying to like defend Eddie Hearn's honor. Not that he needs any freaking help from me. But um all promoters are full of shit, literally all of them. <laughs> okay. Like every single from the highest level promoter in the sport down to the club promoter in your neighborhood, they're all full of shit. It's part of being a promoter because they're salesmen, salespeople. A lot of times you, you got to bullshit, right? Okay. I got to say this about Eddie though. Um, if you look at some of the things he's done, over the last few years in the sport, it sure goes against the narrative that people like Steven Espinoza are trying to push. His biggest star, I guess his biggest star globally in the last couple of years has been, it's been a white guy, but it's a white guy from Mexico. It's a white guy who's Hispanic. You know, it's, it's a white Hispanic guy, uh, Canelo Alvarez. So there's some diversity there, right? Cause he's a Hispanic guy. And then his second most popular fighter, his most popular fighter before he signed Canelo, is a black dude from England. So, so I don't know. I, there's plenty of other guys I can look at, like guys like Demetrius Andre. Nobody, nobody wanted to sign him. You look at where he's been ever since he got dumped by Matchroom at the end of their contract. It's not like everyone's chasing that guy down to sign him. Eddie signed him and got him overpaid. Uh, Danny, J he got Danny Jacobs $10 million to fight Canelo Alvarez. Um, he, he's done pretty well for black American fighters who were overlooked by American promoters uh, and, and done better for them financially than American promoters. Also, um, since we're going hardcore woke here, Steven Espinoza, Mr. Woke, right? Um, and Al Bernstein, I'll throw him in there too over at Showtime. I don't see all, that much women's boxing over at Showtime. At, uh, Al Heyman and PBC don't do women's boxing. You know who's blown women's boxing up and done more for female fighters and women's boxing than any promoter in the history of this sport? Eddie Hearn. He's been a part of the biggest female fights in the history of women's boxing that took place this past year. He put on major events. Uh, he he did some, um, it was co-promotions, you know, because uh, I know he worked with Jake Paul with the Taylor Serrano thing and all that. But like, he's been the guy building up women's boxing. And for all the hardcore woke stuff that we get from Steven Espinoza and those guys, I don't see them doing that much work for women, women in boxing, other than hiring a, a really young, good looking woman or something to interview fighters, which is basically promoting a, a stereotype about women that's kind of outdated and kind of honestly just kind of boring at this point, right? Oh, another hot girl interviewing fighters. Eh, I've seen this about 5 billion times. I see this on every NFL game, major league baseball game. Eh, okay. 
But someone who's actually really, really going hard in the paint for women's boxing, it ain't Steven. It ain't Al Heyman. I'm just saying. So there's that. Super chat once again from Florian. Thank you so much, Florian. He says, my nine-year-old niece is currently in chemo due to lymphoma cancer, brother. We are all in this all together. Damn, dude. I am so sorry to hear that. That is absolutely terrible. I mean, when you hear of children going through that, uh, my heart goes out to the families. Um, it's just, I, I can't even imagine. Um, lymphoma, dude, that's tough. That's that's a that's a bad one. So um my thoughts go out to to your niece. She's a little, she's a little fighter, I'll tell you that. Because um if she's doing chemo and fighting it at nine years old, she's a she's a little badass, in my opinion. She's a champion. That's just terrible, dude. I I hope that everything works out. And uh, dude, cancer sucks. Cancer sucks. <clears throat> we all we all have you in our thoughts for that, brother. Absolutely, man. All right, guys. Let me talk about this other story. Uh, enough with Steven Espinoza. By the way, <laughs> I hope you guys liked my thumbnail. <laughs> I mean, come on. The thumbnail is kind of good, right? You see Steven looking kind of sideways at Eddie Hearn's GQ picture. Come on. Come on. It was a pretty good thumbnail. All right. I'll leave that alone. Um, so according to Mr. Sources, Mike Coppinger over at ESPN, the uh, laughing stock of American sports media. I should just call them Disney. They're not even like a sports network anymore. Anyway, he posted the article saying that according to his sources, the agent at PBC that leaks some information as part of a ploy to kind of like test the waters, you know, and see how people react to it online and then they negotiate further. Yeah. According to his sources, he is saying that there's going to be a fight between Errol Spence and Keith Thurman at 154 in April. I think it's April. Don't quote me. I, I think it's sometime in the spring. So let, let me share this article. Once again, I'm going to share my screen here, and I'm not going to read this whole damn article, obviously. But here we go. Oh, it is in April. Okay. So, yeah. So he's saying that this is uh, they're finalizing a deal for a PBC on pay-per-view fight. All right. To take place in April. Um, okay. So I'm not going to get into the sanctioning organization nonsense and all this other crap, but there's a couple things I got to mention about this first about the article. Okay. And I just want to explain it's 2023 and I'm a father now. I, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to let it rip now because I'm not tied to a parent company or anything anymore that can tell me to censor myself. I'm just going to tell you guys the way this shit works. So what happens here? is, and cop, if I'm wrong and you hear this, go ahead and call me out and correct me and I'll own my L, okay? And, and I'll apologize. But I, I'm not at your level. Don't have your connections, your upbringing, your opportunities and things that you've had growing up. But I'm, I've been around enough to know how this works because I've been in the media myself. Again, not to your level. I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying that I don't know if it was a text email, phone call. But at some point during this conversation, when your source told you about this thing, they mentioned to you that you should mention, they made sure to note to you that Errol Spence fought at 152 in the amateurs. And so did Thurman briefly. Now, how the hell is that at all relevant to this fight? Because you're talking over a decade ago, right? And also, if you know anything about amateur boxing, particularly when you're going into the Olympic trials, guys get moved up and down depending on sometimes certain divisions are stacked and you don't want to go against those top guys. And there might be a division just north that's a little lighter, doesn't have as much competition. So you bump yourself up in weight. Happens all the time. You can even have situations like where the Klitschko brothers tried to go in the same Olympics and Vlad was going to be a heavyweight and Vitalia super heavyweight. So they could both go to the same Olympics and not have to fight each other. You have situations like that. Okay. And that's what this was about anyway. So um, you should know that if you're a boxing guy, you would know that. But the fact that they felt the need to mention that to you as a means to justify this fight being at 154, I find kind of funny. I find it even funnier 
that you made sure to include it in your article. So let's scroll down here. I don't give a fuck, guys. I'm going in, man. And right here, a few paragraphs down. Spence competed in the 152-pound weight class in the 2012 Olympics and made his pro debut weighing 149 later that year. And then he talks about 2015, uh, that he fought once in 2015 against Chris Van Heerden at 156. <laughs> he mentions this. Do, is, is any of that information, any of it, relevant to 2023 and this fight between Spence and Thurman? It's completely irrelevant. And again, anybody who knows the amateur system in America and the Olympic trials knows that Spence was bumped up so he wouldn't have to fight against those welterweights so they could get the welterweight they wanted and the junior middleweight they wanted in the Olympics. So they could get both those fighters in. I can't remember who the welterweight was in 2012. If one of you guys remembers, please let me know. I don't remember off the top of my head. But that's all that was. And him fighting at 149 in his pro debut, every prospect comes in heavy. Every prospect. If you're a, a lightweight prospect, your first fight might be at 142, 141, 140, and you work your way down to 135 by the time you're going into contention. Because the first few fights, you're not even ranked. It's not about that. It's just getting in the ring and getting work. So the fact that he weighed 149 <laughs> for his pro debut is erroneous. It, 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 there's no reason to mention it. And the fact that he had a tune-up fight against Chris Van Heerden. You know what? Let me look that up. Because was that when he was coming back from um, was coming back from an injury or something? Let me look this up. Because I, I want to make sure I get this right. The Chris Van Heerden fight. 2015. <sighs> no, it wasn't. So I don't know what it was. I don't know why he came in so heavy. But yeah, he he ballooned up and wait for that one particular fight. I don't know what was going on. But it was just a random occurrence where he happened to be super duper heavy for that. But the fact that Cop mentioned that, that was not organic, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? And this is indicative of what's wrong with the media now. And this is just boxing. Boxing is a microcosm of all media. Okay? So it's not just limited to boxing media but the fact that cop threw that paragraph in there okay whether he was kind of nudged to do it and said hey you know maybe you should mention this because some fans may criticize that this fight's at 154 it's important that they know that 11 years ago spence went to the olympic trials at 152 and oh yeah once he fought chris van heerden at 156 and his pro debut was at 149 maybe you should bring this up um, whether somebody kind of politely suggested that to him, the same source that was leaking all this info, right? Whether it was that or whether it was Mike himself saying, you know, wow, I want this fight to do well. Let me throw these guys a bone. Let me throw this little nugget of info in there to turn the naysayers around, right? Or to give the unpaid interns who are going full stop defense mode of this fight which i'll get into in a second to give them a little nugget to hold on to a little just one little hair on the nut sack to hold on to so you don't slip off the nuts <laughs> that's what this paragraph was so just when i read this article and i saw that paragraph i'm like i'm talking about this on my show this one paragraph surmises perfectly the problem with media today it is not Mike Coppinger's fucking job to sell this fight to you guys or to justify its occurrence. It is his job to merely talk about the fight and mention the details of it. Adding this in is interjecting, again, whether it's his own worldview trying to push this fight and sell it or whether he was nudged into doing it and he wants to keep that access and keep that uh, source happy. Okay. This is the same thing going on all the way up to the president of the United States and, and, and like all forms of media. This is how it works. This is the kind of stuff you have to really pay attention to guys. And I should mention at the very end, <laughs> the very last sentence of the article, he says, Thurman is a career long welterweight, but also competed at 152 in the U S Olympic trials. So there you go. Again, 
completely irrelevant to the fight. Irrelevant. No need to mention it unless you're trying to sell the fight, which you shouldn't be doing. He's part of the media. So the fight itself, I don't hate the fight. Spence versus Thurman is going to be a pretty good matchup. Um, entertaining. Spence is um, just, he, he's in his prime. He, he's better than Thurman. He's got enough to win this fight. But Thurman is experienced enough, savvy enough, knows how to survive, I think, to go the distance. I think this is a distance fight. I think that Spence wins on points, 116, 112, 117, 111. There might be a flash knockdown or something in there at some point, but I really do feel it goes the distance because Spence doesn't stop guys. He doesn't stop guys. But if you look at all these PBC welterweight matchups in the last however many years, they pretty much all look the same. They're competitive. They go the distance because there isn't a huge gap in skills. And um, there's just not le- that huge a gap of like levels between all these guys. There's just not. So whether it's what Spence versus um, Porter, Spence versus Garcia, Spence versus the other Garcia, Thurman versus uh, Garcia, Thurman versus Porter, you know, it, it all kind of pretty much is the same. You, some, some are a little more entertaining or a little closer than others, but in the end, there's, somebody winning on the cards in a decision after a fight that was fairly entertaining, but not necessarily something you're going to need to see again. You're not going to get Gotti Ward. You're not gonna even going to get Canelo Golovkin. Like you're not going to get Chocolatito Estrada. You're not going to get that. Right. So that's what I expect from this fight. Now, is it a tune-up? Is it an interim fight? Is it a stay busy fight? People are arguing over the terminology. By definition, here's why I say this is a tune-up fight, okay? When people hear tune-up fight, they think, oh, this a tune-up fight is between an A-side and a journeyman, or like a stay-busy fight is between an A-side and a journeyman. Okay, that's not how I mean tune-up fight in this case. Obviously, Keith Thurman is not that, okay? Keith Thurman is a former unified title holder. Okay. However, at this stage of his career, At 154 pounds, it's pretty clear what they're doing here. There is no reason that Errol Spence Jr. could not fight Terrence Crawford in April. Crawford just fought in December. He's good. He could get right back in camp at the end of this month, beginning of February, whatever. There is zero reason why they couldn't have done Spence versus Crawford in April. No reason. But the promotion decided they were going to kick the can down the road a little bit more, as they've been doing for several years now. And they're dangling that carrot in front of you, right? The fight, the main man, the fight, is going to be between Spence and Crawford. And that should happen this fall. That's probably what's going to happen. It should happen this fall. And maybe they're delaying it. For financial reasons, uh, maybe there's complications with the negotiation, all that. Maybe they're trying to wait until after they announce their their Paramount deal and all that. And they want to make that the first big fight of that deal, whatever it is, okay? Um, they're delaying it, and they're doing this purposely. And for Espinosa to go on Twitter and say, oh, it's Crawford's fault that Spence is fighting Thurman. Look, Crawford's available right now, dude. You don't, He don't have to fight Thurman right now. He can fight. Crawford. Spence can fight Crawford right now in April. So no, Spence is fighting Thurman because you that's the fight you want to make. And by the way, guys, they've wanted to make this fight since last summer. To anybody who's been paying attention, Thurman hasn't done shit in five or six years in this sport. Nothing meaningful to be ranked highly among any of the sanctioning organizations. However, out of nowhere, last summer, Thurman was unceremoniously bumped up to number one in the WBC ratings. Made zero sense. Made absolutely zero sense. He had done nothing to earn that. He beat Mario Barrios, a blown up 140, a a gatekeeper level fighter at 140. That's who, I don't give a shit. I think Barrios once had a chunk of a title. That was all bullshit. It was a WBA special, right? So, So 
that's Thurman's big accomplishment. His last win over a top-rated fighter was against Danny Garcia in 2017. So you're talking about six years ago. And I think before that in 2016 is when he beat uh, Sean Porter. So you're going seven years back to arguably his best win. Six, seven years ago. Those are his two best wins. Other than that, Keith Thurman's resume is pretty thin. Pretty damn thin. All right? So, so that's the guy you're fighting right now at this stage of his career, a semi-retired fighter who doesn't have a top win for six years. And even that win against Danny Garcia was against a blown-up 140. Thurman doesn't have a top win against an elite-level welterweight, unless you want to consider Sean Porter an elite-level welterweight. I would say Sean Porter's just below that. I'd say he's a top-rated, high-level welterweight, but I don't know if I want to call him elite, especially at the time Thurman fought him. Kell Brook had already decisively beat Sean Porter by the time Thurman fought him, and I didn't think Thurman beat Porter any more decisively than Kell Brook had done. I thought Kell Brook beat him more clearly. So that's probably Thurman's best win. I'm saying all this, and I like Keith Thurman. He's a great personality. I like the guy. And he's fun to watch as a fighter. But considering all the intangibles and where we're at, and the fact that you're doing it at 154, this is a tune-up fight. I think it's a competitive tune-up. I think Thurman will win some rounds. I think that he'll give Spence a good push. He'll land a couple of good shots, and he'll go the distance. But this is not a pay-per-view-worthy fight. And it's not the fight. It is a interim fight that Spence will use to tune up for Terrence Crawford later this year. So yeah, by definition, it's a tune-up fight. All right. And you know, what's funny is there are a lot of you out there, not you on this show, but just a lot of people out there on Twitter that are like saying, man, Thurman ain't no tune-up, bro. Thurman ain't no tune-up. He's not a tune-up in the sense of, like, he's not David Avenesian, okay? But are you sure Keith Thurman beats David Avenesian right now? And even if he does, it does it, you can still be a tune-up. In this case, the, the way I just laid everything out, if you don't like the, the term tune-up, then how about an interim fight? A space-filler, time-killer fight. It's meaningless. This fight means nothing. I should also add this. Errol Spence has several mandatories at 147, right? And the PBC manages one of them. So they were able to manipulate everything with the IBF to get Ennis an interim bell, to get Spence a breather, a break. This guy has mandatories, and he's being allowed to not only do this interim fight, but in another division. Meanwhile, if you go seven pounds south to 140, Josh Taylor is getting ass raped by the sanctioning organizations. He has been for a while, but he's trying to do the right thing and do a rematch with Jack Catterall because that's what the fans want. And he's being punished for it. Why is one guy being treated so unfairly by the sanctioning groups? And there's other examples I could bring up. Yet Spence is getting to do kind of whatever the hell he wants. How does that work? How is that justifiable? It just goes to show you with certain organizations, um, who has poll. All right, let's catch up, catch up on some super chats. Uh, boom, boom, boom. We got a few of them here. CJ with another one. Thank you, CJ. He says PBC isn't aging Bud out. They're sizing him out at 154 trying to chest this one out, knowing boots and next wave is up next. No pure cash out legacy for Bud against them. It started at 35. Yeah, yeah. look, I could see that playing out. I mean, wouldn't that be crazy, CJ, if like, so Spence is going to beat Thurman by decision in April, right? And say they do the fight between him and Crawford in October. I don't know. I'm just naming a random day, month, whatever. And they do it at 154 or a catch weight of 150 because Spence says, I can't make 50, uh, 47 no more. That'd be insane. Meanwhile, he's holding these belts hostage, holding up the division. That'd just be insane, right? And Crawford could still make 147. Um, I don't, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it will. I think Spence will get down to 47. Win, lose, or draw against Bud, though, he's moving up. 
And part of it is because he is a big welterweight. You know, he can make that move. But also it's because that's their business plan there. They're going to move Charlo up. They're going to move um, both Charlos up, actually. And they're going to move Bud up. That's what they're going to do so that those guys will never fight each other. And they can continue kind of doing what they've been doing at 47 and 54 and 68 for a while now. Um, it's, it's just a mess, dude. It's a mess. D-style boxing in the house with the super chat. Thank you so much, D-style. I appreciate it. And we got another one here from Chris Andre Boxing. Thank you so much, Chris. He says, hi, Mike. The problem is promoters often deny journalist access. Going back to Hearn, according to what I hear, he's the most accommodating and allows interviews with critics. Not all promoters do, though. It's a really good point, dude. It's a really good point. Um, Eddie, um, you know, me and Eddie had a back and forth on Twitter once about drug testing uh, related to Anthony Joshua. This goes back several years. And we kind of had a back and forth, and I kind of called him out and said, you know, UCAD's bullshit, Eddie. No one gives a shit that AJ's doing UCAD. Is he doing VADA yet? And he ended up eventually doing VADA uh, because I was one of the guys that really put a lot of pressure. That being said, um, I remember specifically when Eddie was kind of launching um, Matchroom USA and I did that uh, card in Chicago with uh, with Usyk. No, uh, yeah, Usyk was on there. Bivol was on there. Um, I saw him and I said, hey, man, can I grab an interview? And he was busy as hell, tired as shit. This was after uh, a bunch of pressers that whole day. And um, yeah, I remember because, yeah, that's the presser where Patrick Day was there. Yeah, okay. All that, all that. And um, I kind of like pulled him aside and just said, hey, man, can, can we do a quick interview? Can I pull you aside? And we ended up talking for like 30 minutes. Um, I think I did, I think I split up in two parts and uploaded it to Ring's channel. This is when I was, you know, with Ring still. And um, he was very accommodating. And, I, I, you know, one other guy I got to give credit in this regard is um, not a promoter, but, well, kind of, Mauricio Suleiman at the WBC. I have beat the shit out of him at times. I have beat the hell out of the WBC and some of their decisions. But anytime I need them for an interview or to get some information, they respond like that. Um, they understand that criticism is part of this business. And really, really smart people um, like Mauricio Suleiman, like Eddie Hearn, understand that you got to work Make, make critics your ally, even if they're going to be critical, make them your ally in the sense that you talk with them and, and, and engage with them. Because even if they're still going to be critical, they're at least going to give you credit and see you as a fair human being. And they're going to give you credit when you get something right. So um, yeah, I just, I, I'm with you, dude. Um, I, I've Listen, Eddie does do some things that really rub people the wrong way. There are a lot of American promoters that are just really fed up with him right now and pissed off. They feel like he's poached on their fighters. He's done some stuff that like Don King used to do back in the day. He's probably just a little slicker with it. Does it a little bit better. Does, I guess, a 21st century version of it. But yeah, there's a lot of things that he does that piss people off. However, when it comes to media relations and fan interaction, the guy gets it. He just gets it. And he's doing things as a promoter in the 21st century with, you know, streaming technology and all that, that he's just doing it better than these other guys. He just is. Okay. I think that is all for now. No, we got another one. Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said, just arrived. Happy Friday. Oh, man, you just got here? Dude, you missed a lot. You missed a lot, but you can always check out the beginning of the show later. Okay. We got another one here from Papa Chubby. Thank you so much. Says, Mike, you look well-rested. Do I? Well, let me tell you something, guys. I'm actually exhausted. <laughs> I, um, I boxed last night, uh, worked with a huge heavyweight. This guy is like 6'5", 240, former uh, pro hockey player. Who, who trains at our gym. It's just a huge guy. Um, it, it's really just doing drills and stuff with him. Whew, um, I'm out of shape right now. I don't have my wind, but um, I'm 
giving it my best. And in fact, we're going to, we're going to work together tomorrow at like 9 AM. So anyway, um, I thought I'd sleep well last night. I didn't, I slept like shit. I don't know what happened. We had major storms here. Uh, power went out for a little bit. There was all kinds of crazy ass weather here last night. Um, and then today it was like, it's in the thirties, but anyway, um, me and my wife had a good day with my daughter. We, um, I didn't go to the gym today. I'm just resting. Maybe that's what it is. I haven't worked out today, but we took her probably walked like four miles and, and people out here in Atlanta, they don't go out. If it's like under 60 degrees, they don't go outside. So it's like 30 degrees. I think like with the wind chill, it's in the twenties and it actually snowed a little bit while we were walking kind of like a wintry mix, uh, ice snow. And, um, but we bundled Jackie up and put her in her little, um, uh, it's not a, it's like a cart thing. I can't, a wagon. We have a little, so we have like a little wagon thing. So there's a stroller that she, she can sit, but there's a wagon where she can like lay down and sleep. We put her in that, took her on a long ass walk and went to a few different places and went and got lunch. I had pasta. I let myself cheat a little bit today. I've been dieting hard. So maybe that's why I look a little rejuvenated because I actually had pasta for the first time since Christmas. So um, maybe that's what it is, but I appreciate it, bro. But no, I'm dude. I'm running on, I'm running on fumes. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm doing a, what they call it, daddy sleep. So I'm hoping I sleep good tonight. Anyway, all right. So what is up with the phones? Are is there nobody on the line? So my system is telling me I have no callers, and I find that hard to believe because I know several of you wanted to talk about these fights. So either there's something up with my connection. Or I'm going to check here a couple more times, guys. But other than that, man, I think we're about to wrap up soon. Been going for like an hour anyway. Um, wow, Deluxe Recordings with an interesting comment. I don't know about this. He says, Thurman's resume, best welterweight of this generation. I don't know about that, dude. Again, look at his resume. He's got that win over Porter, and he's got that win over Danny Garcia to unify belts. Danny Garcia, who I never rated that highly at welterweight. Um, that's it. That's it. And an old Manny Pacquiao who lost his very next fight, dropped him and beat him. That, that was like a split decision. That, that should have been a unanimous for Manny. He clearly won that fight, at least seven rounds. Uh, it was you know competitive. Thurman had a good push late. But, um, yeah. Okay, so Pat is saying that there is calls in the queue. It's not showing me that. What the hell? So you guys are saying that you're in a queue. Are you like hearing like hold music? Because I'm going to call these people because I'm looking here at my system, okay? And it's telling me right now that I'm connected. I'm connected to the host line and all that with, you know, my phone and my mixer and all that. But it's saying I currently have no calls. So if you guys are on hold and you're making you listen to music or listen to me, listen to the show, then there's something wrong with my software. And I need to call these dudes because I'm paying for this shit. Um, yeah, something's up. Okay. I'm going to have to call these fools because this is not on me. Okay. Um, yeah, there's something up. Yeah. So several of you guys are on. Okay. So Jack is, he's saying he's on the line. Florian's on the line. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So thank you guys. I'll let them know because yeah, it, it usually like I will get, it, it'll be in, in order. Right. And I'll see like, um, if it's outside the country, inside the country, the order and how long you've been on hold. And I see none of that right now. So let's see, this is not cool, man. Cause this is probably what happened Monday. For those of you who, um, checked out my show Monday, that's what it was too. Okay. Yeah. There's something up with these guys. I'm going to have to call them. I'm so sorry guys, but hopefully I'll get some money back because this, this shit ain't right. All right. Well, yeah. So several of you guys have said that, uh, deluxe is mentioning Jesus Soto Carras good win. And he got the stoppage. It was a good win, but, um, D rate Jesus Soto Carras over Porter and even Danny Garcia. I don't. 
I got a funny story about Jesus Soto Carras. I don't know. You know, he probably wouldn't mind me mentioning that. It just, um, it just includes cocaine, the Mexican mafia, and a bar bathroom where me and several of my colleagues who were doing commentary for one of his fights were hanging out after the fight. By the way, it didn't include me, uh, the cocaine part. I don't do any of that shit. I've never done drugs. Um, but it may have included Jesus and his people. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Florian with another super chase says, I would love to call in, bro. It's past midnight. Oh man. yeah, it's late for you. Thank you for calling in. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to all you guys online. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So you guys are hearing me talk. That is so weird, man. Okay. Yeah. So Nacho's on the line too. And Nacho said he just got cut off. Wow. That's wow. All right. Well, again, for the thousandth time, I'm really sorry guys. And I'm going to contact them tonight because this is probably what happened uh, Monday too. And again, I'm paying for this service. So these guys need to get their shit together. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. I wonder Am I going to be canceled after the show? I don't know. I don't give a shit. This is my channel. I can say whatever the hell I want to. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend, and we'll chop it up again Monday on the Neutral Corner. All right? Peace. Peace.